Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Vagistine Podcast. It's Vanessa here, and you know we're having courageous conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. And today is actually Haitian Flag Day. Haitian Flag Day is celebrated on May 18th. And basically, it's a day where we're celebrating culture and the and Haitian heritage, and especially the heritage of the flag. Um, so on the flag, the flag is blue and red, and in the middle, there's palm tree and a coat of arms and a slogan that reads, Le Union fait la force, which basically means unity makes strength. And so um, it's it's very ideal that we're putting out the show today because we are on part two of our Growing Up Haitian series and talking about sexuality and being Haitian. But before we get into that, just a couple of reminders. If you like the show, if you are a fan, if you tune in now weekly uh, to listen to the show and you like it and you want to keep hearing it, then there is a PayPal link on my website at www.vagisteam.com and you could donate there. So your donations help me with getting studio space. It helps me with getting venues for events when we go we go out and do workshops and events and it's helped to keep the website up and it's helped to keep all those things going. So all those operational costs and um, also you know, you don't just have to donate through money. You could donate by telling a friend. You could donate by reposting um, what you listen to or the things that you like to hear on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, whatever your social media. Tell a friend to like Vagistine. Tell a friend to start listening. And all of that and all of your voices help with me helping spread the Vagistine gospel, as I like to call it. Also, you can get in touch with me through, like I said, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Vagistine. That's V-A-G-E-S-T-E-E-M. And now you can start leaving me voicemails at 443-692-7802. So there you can leave me a voicemail. You can even send me a text on that line as well. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think about the show. If you want to keep following this conversation, you can just hashtag Vagisteam on any of those forms of social media and I'll see it and I'll respond. I will follow back. And I want to definitely hear from you and what your opinions are on this show. And I want to hear more about what you want to hear about. So get in touch with me. Let me know. I always, always, always love hearing from you. And if you have any questions related to love, sex, or relationships, and anything in between, you can definitely send me an email at vagisteam, that's V-A-G-E-S-T, E-E-M at gmail.com as well. Send me your questions and I'll be more than happy to answer them on the show. So like I was saying, Haitian Flag Day, putting out the podcast today. And like I had last week, we had two stories shared and I appreciate y'all submitting those and I appreciate y'all listening. And if you want to submit your stories or know of any Haitian girlfriends, go ahead Um, let them know that I'm taking submissions and that they can send them. If they want more information, they could just email me at vagisteam at gmail.com. Um, so they can, you know, so I can send them what the requirements are and what I'm looking for. Um, 
But today we're continuing on part two and we have one story that's going to be shared today. Um, But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about a common thread that I heard through our stories last week and also just I think the common thread for why I do the work that I do. And that that common thread was fear. And I want to focus on the fear because it just seems so apparent in the stories that we share and the stories that were shared last week in that I'm not doing X because I'm afraid of getting pregnant or I'm fearful that, you know, my parents are going to disapprove. I'm fearful of bringing embarrassment to my parents, etc. And I think we all live with that. And I think especially for me, and when I think about the work that I do, fear really... Um, drives me because I don't want the next generation growing up fearful. The reason why I believe that I'm a sex ed teacher is because I want the people in my classrooms and my workshops to feel empowered with knowledge, with the proper knowledge, with medical, medically accurate knowledge, so that they can go out and decide and choose what they want to do for themselves. And so I want people to be, live out of that fear that I felt growing up for so long and move and explore and explore their sexuality and feel free. And part of feeling free is is letting go of, you know, this this numbing fear that I believe takes over, and I'll speak for all of us, that takes over us when we even think about or thought about um, potentially having sex or exploring or having that one night stand or trying that new thing or going deeper or whatever, whatever it is or whatever it was. Um, and I often felt that fear myself growing up and... I think the the way that this had manifested itself and the way that it was kind of taught to me was every summer growing up, I had my aunts from Haiti who would switch off between summer and winter, um, who would come and visit us, um, <laughs> could, would come visit us. And so they've been visiting since I was about seven years old and um, they're even visiting now and I'm 30 and that's always been amazing and what we would do in the summertime is you know wake up we have breakfast and then we would spend all day watching our daytime television and I love this so we started out like nine o'clock in the morning with Sally Jesse Raphael then we went to Ricky Lake then we had Jenny Jones Maury and then the afternoon to top it off we had divorce court And so my aunts don't know how to speak English, so I would translate these shows for them (laughs) uh, from English to Creole and basically tell them what's happening. And the show that stuck out the most and the show that was our favorite was uh, Jenny Jones. And with Jenny Jones, I think the reason why it was so pertinent and why it sticks out for me so much is because on Jenny Jones, they had the teen girls that would come out, they'd be pregnant, they gotta go to boot camp, or they'd be like, the girls that came out and they had an attitude problem, they'd be like, um, y'all just haters, y'all want this body, I'm so sexy, (laughs) and I remember my aunts being like, oh my gosh, if you ever got pregnant, and my cousins would add to this too, my older cousins, um, 
He'd be like, if you ever got pregnant, your mother would throw you out this window. That is not allowed. Don't you ever come here pregnant like these girls. And they were kind of using those girls, quote, stories to kind of inform what I should not be doing. And I remember that kind of first generated the fear because it was like, okay, well, great. I know what I'm not supposed to be doing. I shouldn't be coming in here pregnant, but never in the history of family history have I ever gotten sat down and and was told, hey, so, you know, it's our value in this household that we, you know, that we don't get pregnant before we're married or whatever, don't engage in sex before we're married. But if you do, here's a talk about condoms or here's a talk about STDs and here's a talk about pregnancy and here's a talk about boundaries and here's a talk about, you know, if you're in a situation with someone that you like, here's how you get to, here's how you speak up for yourselves. Um, And I think that was primarily missing. And, you know, to be totally clear, I'm pretty sure the reason why those following conversations never happened was because I was expected to not be doing anything at all. So what's the point of telling you about condoms or STDs when you shouldn't be out here doing that stuff anyway? And so I think through that and I think through when I turned 18, I remember getting a call from my dad and he was like, hey, happy birthday. You know, hope you have a great day. Oh, yeah. Don't get pregnant. And that was to hear that I was going to go to college. And so I think his talk was more about like, hey, you're about to go to college. Don't be acting wild and crazy. And that's it. But again, still never getting that talk about how not to get pregnant. And so that was always a mystery to me. And it was definitely a mystery mystery through high school. And I remember getting to college um, and I went to an all-girls Catholic high school. And in our 12th grade year, we got morality. And in morality, we had a, quote, nurse come in and the nurse said, um, Hey, y'all, you know, you're about to go to college. So here's some things to remember. Condoms don't work. Couples that use birth control or condoms will break up within five years of their relationships. You know, all of these different myths. And I took them to heart. Not really getting sex ed in school. I got that. And I'm like, well, that's a nurse. She knows what she's talking about. Why would they have her come in if she didn't know what she was talking about? So I start freshman year of college at University of Maryland, walking around campus, and I had met my now husband, and at the time we were just friends, and <laughs> we were walking across um, this place called McKeldin Mall, and it's right in front of the library. We were walking across, I think we were going to the diner, and I don't know how we started the conversation, but I said something like, you know, when I start having sex, I'm never using condoms. And I'm, why would I ever do that? I don't want to break it with my boo. So when I start having sex, I'm not using any of that. And he looked at me and was like, wait, what? Girl, who hurt you? What are you talking about? Don't you ever say those things out loud. That is not true. And so I was firm. I was like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. They had this nurse come in, and he was like, that is absolutely not true. Like, people get diseases out here. Don't do that. And so 
it took me a while and I was like, what? And I started doing some research and then I joined this, um, I joined this group in college called Advocates for Youth and they really, really, really gave me all the knowledge and all the things I needed to know. And from that time, I mean, I always had the interest in, you know, health and always had that interest in, you know, describing body parts to people and doing like informal education and like the cafeteria and stuff. But like this really set me off because I was like, oh, my gosh, like so many of us are not receiving sexual health education. And here I am. I could have made a million mistakes. I could have just gone to college and just start, you know, doing whatever. And the thing that kept me from doing whatever and exploring my sexuality was the fear. And it always came back to the fear. But then I could have been still walking in that fear and lack of knowledge and could have put myself at risk for so many things. And when I think about all of those things, I'm talking about we never had talks about what's a healthy and unhealthy relationship. Never had to talk about what's consent. Never had to talk about what is, what, what is responsible drinking. Never had to talk about, hey... If you are going to engage in sex, you need to have condoms with you at all time. It's okay for women to carry condoms. And this is how you put them on correctly. And this is how you do th these things. And fast forward to now, I think that's why I'm so in love with my work. And I take my work so seriously. And whenever I walk into a space, it is my honor and it is my responsibility to ensure that I'm conveying this information, one, as fun as possible, but two, as real as possible, and three, as accurately as possible, because I want to make sure that folks are critically thinking about the decisions that they're making sexually and that they're doing things that they want to do, that they're not coerced, that they're not forced, that they're not being talked over, that they're not honoring themselves and doing the things that they want to do. And so I wanted to remove that fear. And when I received that knowledge, un, uh, you know, unlike popular belief, it didn't make me go out there and want to just start, you know, doing everything under the sun, but it gave me an awareness about myself to know, all right, you know, if I even, cho if I choose to do these things, now I know to go get tested for STDs. Duh, like these are things that people need to know. I need to, you know, carry condoms. I need to do all these things. I need to know what my boundaries are and be able to communicate them. And so all of those things go into sexuality, you know, and I, and, and this is why I do the work. And I know that for me, I don't ever want to come across people who are just engaging in acts and not knowing what they're doing or why they're doing it. And, you know, that's what really, really inspires me and motivates me every single day to get out there and give people something that they've never heard before. And a lot of us haven't heard before. And a lot of us aren't getting it from home like like what happened to me? You get the fear message, you get the fear ta tactic. And for some people, the fear tactic, you know, it doesn't work. It actually works in the reverse. It makes people, because the examples that our parents give about, you know, so-and-so's pregnant or, you know, your life's so hard and all of these things, it actually made some people that I know just like go the total reverse and just, you know, just do everything and, and operate in this fear and lack of knowledge. And then for some of us, like me, 
it made me paralyzed. It made me fearful of when I went to a boy's room. It made me fearful of not being in the boy's room. I remember the first time going to my now husband's dorm room and sitting there on the edge of the couch because my mother always said, you, you will get raped. Boom. Like no, no talk about what rape is, you know, how these things happen, how rape is never your fault. Just if you're in close proximity with a man, you're going to get raped. And so that fear becomes paralyzing. And if I didn't trust myself and read and talk to people and gain knowledge and really understand all of these things, who knows where and what I would have been doing right now. And so the knowledge is important. We got to remove the mask of fear and... We'll see what other uh, themes come out for the rest of these weeks to come. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and feedback. I look forward to receiving more uh, stories from you all. And I really hope that you um, enjoy this series. So we should be back next week. Um, and the next following weeks, we'll have some guests on. I know y'all been asking about where the guests are. They're coming, they're coming. I'm scheduling them. If you have somebody that you want to have on the show or, you know, some interesting topic, let me know. Um, like I said, again, social media, hit me up, um, Vagisteam everywhere and Vagisteam at gmail.com. I hope you have a great Haitian flag day. Rep your flag, wave it in the air, you know, <laughs> Be out there. It's beautiful outside. And and remember to stay tuned for Jeannie's story that's coming up. Bye. Sagafet Munweo. How's everyone doing? My name is Jeannie and sex in a Haitian household. You know, I found it really strange that my mother actually started talking to me about sex when I was seven. My mother is the most religious person on the planet. I'm sure a lot of Haitians think the same way about their parents. Um, so when she started talking to me at the age of seven about, you know, sex and, you know, my body, I didn't really understand. You know, I was seven. And that's kind of stuff they didn't talk about in my house. But I think my mom actually started talking to me about it because she had some friends whose daughters, you know, were getting their periods at an earlier age. So this was the only thing that stuck in my mind was don't let boys touch you. Don't ever let a boy touch you. Don't ever let a boy uh, touch you in your legs or under your dress. Never let, never ever let a boy touch you. And I always kept that in my mind, but most of my best friends were males. All my best friends growing up were boys. And I wasn't a tomboy by any sort, but most of my best friends were boys. And so that always stayed in my mind. You know, it always stayed in my mind. Don't let boys touch me. Don't let boys touch me. So I think it's when I finally did get my period. And it was really strange because I got my period when my mother wasn't home. She was on vacation, actually. My dad had no clue what was going on. I just kept having these stomach aches. And then my mother, you know, saw my under, she's like, oh my God, you have a period. Oh my God, I'm way, I'm way, I'm way. And then so we had the talk again. And then it got kind of deeper. I was 11 and, you know, she started talking about, 
you know, babies and, you know, pretty much the birds and the bees a little bit more in depth than she did when I was seven. So then the one thing that stuck in my mind was if you get pregnant, don't think I'm going to help you take care of that baby. So after that, I was deathly afraid to do anything. Um, had boyfriends, but never did anything. Was always afraid. And then at my high school, teen pregnancy was, you know, the end thing. You know, every, every time you turn around, somebody in your class was pregnant or on maternity leave. And I was like, uh-uh, I will not be the one. Like every day it was one of those things like, you know, you need to keep your legs closed. I can't help you take care of that baby. You know, I already raised kids and I, I take care of people's kids, so I'm not raising another, another baby. And so it kind of stuck with me. And, you know, I'll be free to talk about this. Uh, I lost my virginity when I was in college. I was, but I was scared, scared out of my mind. And then, you know, it was one of those things, like I got so scared to do it. When I did it, it felt good, obviously, right? Um, but then it, I feel like those messages, like don't let boys touch you and, you know, I'm not going to help you raise a child stuck in my mind so much that I'm now 31 and married. And it's one of those, I don't know if I want to have kids, you know, like, I don't know if, if I'm ready yet, We're, we all have these things going through our minds. And I feel like it did kind of, it's kind of like a, like a barrier, kind of like a block on, you know, exploring my sexuality as a woman. Like I didn't know about, you know, what happens down there or anything, even going to the gynecologist to this day. Sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, what's she gonna find down there? Or, um, you know, just always hoping for something bad for some reason, only because I just never, it wasn't talking about your body and things in my house this was a commonplace you know it was just you make sure you wash down there every night we call it toilette de bas and then use all these products that end up not being good for you know for your vajayjay on a regular basis so i learned that actually through uh, one of my gynecologists, she was like, well, I kept telling her, I always have irritation. And she's like, what are you using? So I list, she's like, those things aren't really good. She has to breathe, you know? Um, but it's been, it's been hard kind of getting in touch with intersexuality and, you know, like what, you know, just being a woman too, because you're taught in the house that, these are the things you do and there are no ifs, ands, buts about it. You can't complain about it. You just, you know, 
your husband does what he needs to do and then keep it moving. And that's why I think the relationship with my husband and I is very different because it's not just, okay, this is what you do for him and then keep it moving. Through being with him and even before we were married, like I really began to understand, you know, my sexuality and understand, you know, what makes me feel good, what doesn't make me feel good. Um, and I just, I really wish that some Haitian parents would kind of, I would say like come into the 21st century in the sense that they scare their daughters to the point where I've seen that, especially like in Protestant churches, Baptist, Haitian Baptist churches um, in the DC area, specifically Haitian ones. Um, they keep their daughters so sheltered that when they actually go out there, like if they go to college or something, they come home pregnant. Why? Because you, they don't talk about these things. They talk, don't talk about what happens. You learn it in school, but then in school, it's just a bunch of vocabulary words, and this is what you should do, this is how you should do it. These are STDs. Make sure you stay protected and keep it moving. So I think it's, I think we have to, like I know if I ever, or when I ever have kids, I'll make it a push to really talk about you know, their bodies and how they are supposed to feel, what makes them, you know, do you like it when somebody does this to you? Do you like it when somebody does that to you? Or, you know, just not even in a sexual manner, just in general. Cause I feel like a lot of Haitian parents, my mom was really good at talking to us. Um, my dad, not, not so much, but it's really good to understand what your kids are thinking. And that way you know how to you know, how to make them feel comfortable about themselves. Cause I'm 31 and sometimes I don't feel too comfortable in my own body, but you know. Um, but this is an interesting topic. I think I've ram rambled way too much. Well, enjoy the show, my friends.